I've been made redundant a few times and then not taking the leave. I haven't necessarily found very comfortable going back into employed positions. But in each one of those, I've learned so much. I've I've either learned an enormous skill that I've been able to apply now to my career and my clients, or I've learned invaluable lessons about what not to do. No step that you take is ever a bad step. It's just the next step in the journey. Hi, welcome to Red Pants. This podcast is for the business curious, for those who are thinking about starting or growing a business, or those who are a bit nosy like me. We'll talk about all the things around starting and running a business from finance and marketing to the technology and the values we choose to embed in our business. I'll be asking people what keeps them going. I'm not an expert, but I'm up for giving things a go and asking other people what they do and why. And I'm more than happy to share what I learn with you as we all make the future. Lucy is a seasoned marketer. I got to witness her in action back in 2018 and 2019. She helped people think bigger in the framework of marketing and what you can do, building products and services as well as positioning a business. Since then, Lucy has tried her hand in a range of industries and a range of ways of working. A year and a half ago, she took on her dad's website building business with her brother. She leads the marketing and as a director drives the business forwards. In this episode, we talk about how she's consciously developed the way she challenges organisations to be better, the psychology of marketing and understanding your target audience, and confidence. A big thank you to Lucy for being so open and honest about her experiences. I hope you enjoy this conversation. I'm Lucy. I am a stepmom. I'm a marketer of 20 plus years. I run Natistics, which is a marketing and web development agency. And I think marketing's in my blood. I've been doing it for such a long time, studied at university, and that was the, I did business management, and that was the bit that I really liked. And it makes me tick. I, I like the kind of psychology behind marketing, I suppose, is the people bit behind it. That's really interesting because, you know, what we're talking about today is kind of thinking bigger and challenging other people to think bigger. And actually the psychological aspect of that, I think, is really interesting and important. And it's not just, I guess, the psychology of marketing. You're getting to influence how other people think and what they're doing in order to support the marketing and, and, you know, business goals overall. So actually it's kind of, it's everything together. Yeah. For the good and the bad, actually. It's one of the things in my career that I've struggled with on occasion when you're marketing something Mm. that you don't necessarily believe in and you're, you are ultimately manipulating people into, purchasing or subscribing or whatever the you know the product or the service is you're trying to get under the skin of what's the emotion that's driving them what do they need to hear or see or and and some organizations and some marketers will do that on a fear basis rather than a positive emotion basis and and I think that when you're young and starting out in a marketing marketing career that is, you've, you've no idea really what you're stepping into there. But it, yeah, it can be quite manipulating, I suppose. And then, yeah, on the inside of the business, less so, I think, because you're just 
trying to deliver against an organization's objectives and that is largely I don't think I've ever worked for an organization where the objective wasn't generate more leads or sell more stuff when you're in the marketing team but you are you know there's just a really clear agenda whether you agree with it or not whether you think it's the right thing to do morally or not that's what you've got to do because it's what you've been paid to do I think yeah I think that's really interesting and actually one of the things I find really hard about marketing is that kind of idea of manipulation particularly Mm. when I've not agreed with it which is why I've probably always ended up working for charity and sector and and that kind of thing because then at least you feel like you're trying to do something for good yeah um yeah it's something you can believe in yeah yeah when I first started out in comms and marketing I had a lot of people say things to me around oh you're really good at thinking from the perspective of reading this or or you know the end the customer whatever you want to call that that kind of end person um and I feel like there is something that is almost something that comes naturally to a lot of people who are in marketing mm-hmm. and communications for me in terms of that and also kind of the the bigger picture thinking is that something that has always come naturally to you or is that something you've had to develop I think it's a skill that you craft over time so I um I think when I started out in my marketing career we would talk a lot about the target audience And you do some market research, you put a questionnaire out there or we did some focus groups and you kind of see who these people are. And actually having my first kind of big marketing role was at Ghana Bingo, which is a C2DE audience. So lower socio demographic. And that really pigeonholed me for for quite a few years in my career where only organisations that you know if it was an ab organization they were like oh she doesn't have experience with that audience so she won't be able to kind of move it forward that's why i understand them yeah because because that's not my demographic i think often when you're a marketer you can market to people you know and you understand so when i went to nuffield that was definitely an ab demographic and and I was pretty into health and fitness. And so I understood who I was talking to much better. Plus, you're, once you're older, you've just come across a lot more people. So you you understand the world a bit better. I think, yeah, with oh, that's that age old, age old adage, with age comes wisdom or experience or both. So, yeah, I think it's a skill you hone. And just literally as you get older, you get better at understanding who people are what makes them tick I think that's amazing (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's interesting because I had um, a similar conversation when I took my second comms job or before they offered it to me around I was working in Watford at the time at the council there and very very different demographic to a Surrey Borough Council which is Mm -hmm. what I was being interviewed for and they they asked me about how I would do things differently. And I guess there's a certain naivety being only only really having done that kind of role for a year or so. And I have no idea what I said. But I guess there's part of me at the end of the day thinks, well, everybody's human. and Everybody has motivations and Mm. goals and different drivers and needs. 
And I guess, yes, the demographic does, like financial demographic, does play a part in it. But there's so much more that drives mm. humans. Yeah. People it's are fascinating. A, people are fascinating. And I think it, it you, you, I think you, as a marketer, you establish a bit of your own tone of voice. Mm. So then trying to fit yourself into the brand's tone of voice and understand it intimately I mean everybody can write copy whether it's brilliant copy or not is another matter but I suppose yeah when you're writing to women you probably write differently to when you're writing to men when you're writing to parents you'll write differently to when you're Mm. writing to millennials and so I suppose it's a little bit of that like oh this person's got a bit of experience with this audience so they'll understand it better but actually I'm not sure you do through having do understand that audience better through having done marketing for them you understand them better from having like done life with them I think Mm. having then one of my roles was charity and I went to go and work for a church that had a social transformation arm which I absolutely loved investing in my really hyper local community it was the town I was living in at the time and literally just being in the space that they were in every day you then go oh that's what this that's what this is about this is what drives these people this is what really matters to them and, and and things that you could never have understood that they might be scared of or driven by by sending out a survey or even running a focus group you just get a different response to people when they're sitting in a focus group because it's like mm, they're shitting all over themselves I should be doing this and I should say mm-hmm. that and actually when you're just coming alongside people in whatever capacity that is, you you see you see them differently. Yeah, they become humans. They do. Yeah, yeah. You get to know them. Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. And I think that's something that I find really helpful to then take back into an organisation and be able to have conversations that <clears throat> don't just influence like the promotion of something, but actually the creation of, you know whatever it might be activities or a product or or whatever you can go back in and so recently there was one where people are trying to put on an activity and going and having talked to the community finding out that actually you know cost of living is a massive problem for this community so if we're going to put on something well how can we lower the barriers and how can we you know can we offer free food can we do you know free drinks and skits or you know can we do more than that if we you know genuinely want people to come to this what are we going to do that you know entices people in but also has benefit for them yeah Um, it's classic proposition development and marketing is so often reduced to how do you get more bums on seats at this thing that we are going to put on and I'm not sure I've worked in many organizations or even come across many organizations that get the marketing team involved at the point of going what are we actually going to do what's this thing that we're going to put on or what's this activity that we're going to run and does it really fit our audience so that the marketing people are supposed to be and they're often not but they're supposed to be the people that know the client or the customer or whoever it is Hmm. inside out and back to front and also have the ability to go this thing needs to be 
price this way and shape that way and being able to develop the whole proposition end to end not just doing the go-to-market strategy right at the last point Mm -hmm. when you've got this shiny thing and it might be great but it it might not fit that customer at all in fairness operations teams often know their customers really really well because they are at the coalface every day and I think that marketing and operations connection is invaluable like if I was going to advise any marketers out there is get really like just get really close to your ops team and get under the skin of your customers go out spend time out with humans you'll do much better so is that something that you're doing now with statistics you're you're well I was gonna say you're a new company but yeah newish new to us anyway yeah so in a way so one of our biggest clients Monaco Marquise I mean it's it's too much to say I've grown up with them but they were one of so just by way of context my brother and I inherited Natistics from our dad when he passed away and he started it in 2002 and so Monaco was one of dad's earliest clients and dad would well a, a he got on really well with them he'd go to the pub with them and do pub quizzes and all the rest of it they were pals but he would come and talk to me and my brother about what was going on with them all the time and we did you know oh why don't you try this on the website or have you thought about doing that on their google ads campaign and all that kind of stuff so i suppose from that perspective the clients that we work with now there's a sense of, I suppose, I suppose you're one one further position removed. You've got, you're the agency, they're the client, and then you've got their clients. So how do you get under the skin of, of their clients? And I think probably having that age and wisdom under my belt means I can do that faster. Like I've just you know, got the ability to be able to understand their business and, and who they're marketing to. But we also don't work with, clients who where it's very transactional because we're family my brother and I and because it's come from our dad it feels like it's really like quite a heavily invested business we want to know all about you so I don't just want to know you want a new website so I I was speaking to a lady um, who runs a Pilates school a couple of days ago and I'm obviously going to a Pilates class so I am one of the people that she's marketing to um and I think if you can see yourself in that business and I she she can't afford our services at all I've said to her you know I really would like to help you because I can see how to make a difference to this business and she's not got a website at the moment so yeah I suppose we we do bring that in you can't I think you can't not bring that in when you've got the skill to do it it's almost like how do you turn that bit of your brain off you can't necessarily so yeah it's probably something that I just do without thinking really sometimes I think it'd be so much easier to be the type of person that comes in does does the job and never thinks of like thinks of it outside of working hours but my brain is constantly thinking about everything I'm working on and how I can make it better and how to connect stuff together and you know how to serve target audiences better and yeah yeah all that kind of thing and I think I think you're the same 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's what I so this this lady said, well, I've had a quote for a website and it's two thousand pounds. And I said, she asked me how much was the, you know, how much do you charge? And I was like, well, the last one we did was over five thousand pounds. So it's pretty out of your budget. But I haven't been able and I've I've emailed her because I said I haven't been able to stop thinking about the challenges that you're facing. And and I haven't been able to shake the feeling that I'd like to help you. <laughs> Obviously, I don't know, we're just connected. Mm. we got on quite well but yeah I'm the same as you I haven't been able to just go oh that's a thing leave it alone it's nothing to do with me I've got enough on my plate I'm probably a bit of an overgiver. yeah yeah and I think that's not necessarily served me well in a employed position in the past but actually it's serving me really well now which is you know I, I feel like I found my place oh, that's <laughs> where amazing. I can where I can do some of these things and be more helpful to people but not undervalue myself yeah which I think is quite important and sometimes sometimes I feel like I'm the, always the person who's like oh I've had this idea oh I think that's a problem we need to do something about that and yeah um and I think when you've got a little bit of distance, you can see those issues much mm. more clearly than the person who's in the thick of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So lots of businesses I've worked at and it, I, I'm the exact same as you. It probably hasn't served me well being an employee because you sort of I feel I don't know if this is the reality, but I feel like I built up a little bit of a reputation for being probably a bit of a pain in the ass. I'm nodding. I'm not saying that you have. <laughs> I'm saying I feel the same way. <laughs> and I don't think it's that you are being a pain in the ass. I think it's you're pointing out the things that other people had either wished they'd seen or they have seen and they're ignoring. And so you're pointing out something that's creating some level of discomfort for them. But I think that's okay because I think that's when businesses grow and develop. It's just change regardless of what's causing it or who's causing it or why the change is happening. Change is generally painful. Yeah. I had somebody who referred to me as a dementor. (laughs) Oh, wow. And it was basically, there was lots of kind of press and media issues that I brought to this particular person who was a head of service head of a department um and he was like you know every time you come into the room you suck the joy out of the room and I was like I I knew that wasn't true but you know I was bringing issues to him and I said to him you know I'm fixing the problems that you are and you and your team are making so actually you know I think there needs to be more thought on this and it was actually quite a helpful opener to a conversation and allowed me to step into other things so I think sometimes being a bit of a pain in the arse is quite helpful (laughs) I also think there's something I don't know if it's marketing specific or if it happens in all the different roles in in business but there can be something quite toxic about or around the marketing role so for somebody and I, I mean obviously I don't know the context and the level of friendship and the spirit that that comment was given in but to be called something I mean it's very descriptive and emotive actually that's like the worst of the worst in the Harry Potter world um which you're not by the way like I have worked with you and I know that you're absolutely not a fun sucker you're a joy bringer 
no um, and I know that about myself and I yeah. think that's why it's not stuck on me and I think it's other people good. would have found that much harder to deal with yeah. I dealt with other stuff that I, I think was much more you know patriarchal society you know counting me out because I was a young woman and all that kind of stuff this comment was far from that in many ways okay. so it felt like yeah a much lesser thing that I had to deal with than some of the other stuff that was going on so that's why I'm able to talk about it now without yeah you know in in the positive and then it did bring in the ability to make change that's good that's good yeah oh that's a, that's a really harsh descriptor certainly not how I would yeah I would describe you that's very kind thank you <laughs> yeah it's interesting because I've I've put in here how how has you know kind of being a challenger and a pusher of, of change and all that kind of stuff how has it hindered you and I know you mentioned there I think I said at first around you know not serving me well in a, an employment situation and yeah. um, is there any way that you might tangibly say that it has had that effect that you want to share yeah yeah happy to share I think I think there's definitely and, and maybe rightly so in certain circumstances when you are a young female there are people around you who've got lots of experience, much more experience certainly than I had when I was young. And um, and I still thought I knew everything. And actually, with hindsight, I didn't. But actually, I was also really good. So I remember one marketing manager who was a man saying to my boss, who was a man at the time, who my boss was lovely. He went, can you shut your marketing executive up? And I was like, wow. And and again, I think it comes from that place of just being a strong female voice against a man. Were you in the room when this person said yeah. that? Oh, yeah. He oh, said it. my word. He said it. Yeah. Yeah, we were stood right next to each other. Uh, and I, I mean, I've got countless examples of men displaying their authority in inappropriate ways and nothing kind of sexual or anything but just that asserting of authority when your authority comes from you've got a more senior job title you're older or you're a man actually haven't got authority really um and and so if you have to throw your authority around to feel like you're uh, you've got control of a project or a room or a meeting or whatever it is then I think you haven't got the authority and I think my authority in the spaces that I've been in has come from being just care I care probably like you too deeply about the thing that I'm working on I'm an absolute starter finisher and I'm quite high functioning and I'm often a couple of steps ahead of other people in the room and I, and I think that makes some people feel uncomfortable so where hasn't it served me well yeah there there are many examples and I suppose one that I can talk about kind of relatively deeply was obviously I won't name the organization but an agency that I was working at where the CEO was a, a friend first and then a boss and and we've all got to start somewhere and we've all you know learn our strengths and our weaknesses and it's a painful journey as you go but he wasn't learning his <laughs> strengths and weaknesses and when you can see something is starting to 
more than fray at the edges, but starting to fall apart. And you can see really clearly some changes that need to be made to make it to fix it. And actually that they just ended up saying, thanks, but we're going to let you go. And ultimately, all of those changes that I would talked about did get done. And it was a good thing for me to move on from there. But when you've committed to an organisation, and again, it just is, it's the people, it's the rest of the people around you that you care about and that you want to see it succeed and you want it to be growing and moving forward and having those real joyful moments when it's not having those and you can see how to fix it. It's, it's finding ways to be able to share with people, have you thought about <laughs> without without them feeling like you're stepping on their toes or questioning their authority or their ability, like how, how do you help them? And that's something that I think, again, you learn over time and you grow in that ability to be able to come alongside people, I suppose. It's not just sharing, this is wrong. How do you come alongside people to help them make the change? I think that's something that I have been learning over the last, well, from you as well, the last while, because when I first started out, I think I was, you know, very naive and, and could see a lot of issues and would just say, yeah. oh, th- this is wrong. Yeah. What, what can we Same. do? And it's like, you are you are new to this company and you are young. I mean, I looked so young that everybody thought I was like the new apprentice. Um, <laughs> for years, everybody thought I was the new apprentice oh. every time I took on a new job. Um and yeah, so I, oh, I always find that quite frustrating, but it is amazing to be in a place where I'm slightly older, where it's, you know, being able to understand and have the ear of people who are a bit more senior and that kind of thing, but able, able to voice stuff in maybe less of an aggressive, yeah, <laughs> a, a more thoughtful kind of way. And I, I think that helps with some of the marketing as well. It's like knowing your audience. Yeah, I did a, an interview years ago now for Royal Caribbean so I was like oh I'm gonna get to go on cruises this would be amazing (laughs) and uh, I got down to the final two it was quite a senior position I forget what it was now but you know definitely manager level maybe a head of I think it was probably a head of something and and I got on really well with the guy that would have been interviewing me and I'd one of the tasks I'd had to do was one of those personality profiles and he said to me (laughs) He said, I've only got one concern. Everything's great. But it says here that you're really blunt. And I was like, oh, am I? (laughs) And at the time, I was like, well, yeah. I I remember so clearly in the interview, I remember the point where it it changed and I didn't get the job. Was at the point where he asked me that question and I said something like, well, yeah, if something needs saying, I'll say it. (laughs) And he was like, Oh, okay. And that was just a lack of maturity of going. Yeah. I've oh. been there as well. That was exactly yeah. the thing. I didn't realise that that would be an issue. I thought that was a only a good thing. Yeah, same. And I've, I, yeah, I suppose I did come up in my career going, I'll be the one to just say it. And we're yeah. all thinking it. I'll just say it. And it, obviously you hone that as time goes by. And I, I am still the person that will say it, but I've just maybe got slightly more sensitive ways of doing it and having built stronger bridges to be able to say it from in the first place so that you're not burning it 
I think there's also a level of understanding that, yes, I might see a problem. Yes, I might see a solution, but actually appreciating that there are other people who have good ideas too. And actually by working together, we could potentially come up with something that's going to be even better than what I can I can see very clearly. Yeah. And I don't know if that is maturity or experience. I think it's just kind of being more more open to people because I, you know, had often been in a room where, you know, in certain situations, it felt like I was the only person that could see something or, you know, yeah. at school, see, see the way to do something. And it was, you know, my brain just seemed to work differently to other people's brains. Yeah. Um, so I wasn't, you know, I wasn't the cleverest, but like when we were doing like logic kind of reasoning stuff, I was like, yeah, no, my brain just works like this. I can do this. I understand this. And so, yeah, I guess there's maybe I was a bit full of myself. But interestingly, if you going sort of touching back on the patriarch bit, there's I, I can't remember exactly what the science is, but in a man's world it wouldn't be being called being full of yourself yeah it would just be being confident and having courage in your conviction and and the female side of that same character trait is being uh, a bit too vocal or a bit too pushy mm. and and you just use the phrase being full of yourself I, d- I don't think it is you're just learning as you go we yeah. all you know irons in the fire being refined as we go and and that's okay um it's the same as being bossy versus being authoritative exactly yes yeah and and for you know any listeners who don't know what that means as a woman you get called bossy but if you would do the same stuff as a man you would just be called authoritative yeah exactly bossy is definitely reserved for women yes which is very frustrating i i think wear it as a badge of honor yeah just yeah own it and claim it yes I, I think people are too afraid of me to call me bossy now <laughs> definitely <laughs> me too um, so I love seeing you having come from kind of an employed position to now kind of running a business and to me it feels like kind of where you should be mm. um just just knowing what I know of you um what stopped you from kind of starting sooner I know you've kind of inherited inherited the business that you're at now what stopped you from starting your own business sooner I suppose a a few things I haven't I hadn't had a an idea in the sort of you know first 20 years that I thought that is something that I can do for ever that I have full faith in that's going to pay the bills and I think the age old thing that probably holds most people back is just the I needed a stable income that like comes down to the finances and probably just confidence that you go, OK, I'm, I'm just going to do it. And you need the sort of being pushed out of the boat to learn how to swim type of thing. And I I do think that I am in a unique position and very blessed that I've been able to step into a business that I can own and I can direct, but we've got an existing reputation and we've got existing clients who, have, if anything, have bought into us even more so than when it was dad, just dad running the business. And so there's, if I'm being totally honest, it's a, it still feels like a bit of a safety blanket that I've stepped out onto. So I, I, I wouldn't, I think you've probably been 
braver than I had dared to be in literally quitting and going, right, I'm just going to do this by myself. So yeah. I just want to be clear, I did not feel brave. Oh. I left a job that I was miserable in and I'd been you know, encouraged by family and friends to leave for months before I left and it became just the point where I couldn't do it anymore. And I couldn't put myself back in that position again. And I'd always dreamt of starting a business. And then, you know, I'm also, you know, very, very privileged in that my husband can support me. And so we were, you know, making a few adjustments. We could live off of his income. So it meant that actually I had a massive safety blanket Mm. in starting Gym Rock Consultancy. And I had no idea if I was going to get any clients or make any money at all. I had no confidence in that. So sometimes, I mean, my mum's always said, you're only going to start a business when you're pushed. And I think that that for many people is probably true. Yeah, the pull is not enough. You need yeah. to be pushed. You do, you do. And I've probably and that's another thing I've learned is that everything is just one single step. Like it looks like it's going to be this massive thing. Mm. But it's just like one small, tiny yeah. step at the time. It doesn't feel like a big achievement when you get there because you're like, oh well, I just did that. Yeah. Yes, it's so true. <laughs> so disappointing. You're like, oh, that should be a big thing. Where's my medal? Just somebody yeah. not buy me a rosette and some flowers and congratulate me. <laughs> I've st- we bought a, a fancy like kombucha style drink because I don't drink alcohol for like celebrating one year in business. And that passed in June. This is now the end of September. We've still not drunk it. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, you should definitely so. crack it open. Yeah, I keep on thinking, but it never feels special enough. We'll see. Maybe we'll do it tonight as a celebration of recording this. Yeah, do it, do it. (laughs) What frees you up to show up in your business truly as you are and create a business that allows you to be who you are? So I have a pair of red trousers. Okay. When I I am not feeling up to it, I'm not feeling good at my good in myself I'm doubting myself I put my red trousers on and I think oh I can do this I've got this yeah I think it's probably the people that I've got around me now because I know it in my soul and I think I don't have I don't have bad days now where a bad day doesn't come from this piece of work I'm you know I'm not confident in it or bad client feedback and 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 touch wood I hope that lasts without wanting to sort of tempt fate or be sound really arrogant we haven't in the last year and a half had any clients go this this needs work or this hasn't hit the mark or it's you know I know that I'm good at what I do and my brother's brilliant at what he does and and the rest of the people that we bring alongside us in the team are also cherry picked because they're brilliant at what they do. So I suppose bad days, if and when I have them, come from life, general life being tricky, step mumming and, you know, just the kind of general ups and downs that you have emotionally, especially being a woman. And so what picks me up, what keeps me going is a conversation with my other half where he just will hold space or hold me physically and is so supportive and so loving and then the other person is my best friend where she'll just I don't know 
I don't even know what we talk about. But something in the conversations just make me feel like, oh, breathe. It's all going to be fine. Just carry on. And it's okay. And it might take me a few days to kind of get back into my groove or if it's been a really big knot, a few weeks. But yeah, I don't have like a, I don't have a pair of red trousers. Like I'm not like put the red lipstick on and there you go, I'm alive. But yeah, it's the it's the people. It's people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the red trousers are more for confidence for me because I think yeah. that I, I, I struggle with that. You know, I think I come across in many situations as being quite confident, but actually I need to put on my red trousers to remind myself to be confident in what I'm saying and, and recommending or you yeah. know, whatever that looks like. I think my mum years and years and years ago said to me, confidence isn't real. Nobody like it's not a real thing. Everybody's just pretending and winging it and mm. I'm sure I'm sure there are some people that would disagree with that they go hey, I've got confidence I'm supremely confident but that was really helpful for me to think yeah everyone's just the same everyone has like doubts and gets a bit nervous about things or totally poos their pants over something you know really yeah. big you know and and if you just fake it till you make it kind of thing just keep pretending you're confident and you'll be fine what is the one thing you wish you knew or did before you started? Now, this could be, you know, started in marketing in your career or started your business or took over, started yeah. running it. Just done it faster. I think in terms of the business, just been braver and done it sooner and done it faster and not be such a perfectionist. Mm, that's a big one. It's a big one for me as well. Yeah. I think many people. OK, is there a mistake that you did that you kind of wish perhaps you hadn't made? Yeah, I suppose I'd, I've made like marketing mistakes. I remember doing a print run of 15,000 leaflets and the dimensions were all totally off and I was horrified. And my boss at the time, she said, don't worry, it's only sandwiches. And it wasn't sandwiches. It was we were selling fashion <laughs> and it was a direct mail piece. But she'd previously worked for Costa where mm. she was just selling sandwiches. And, and her point being, you know, you're not you're not a surgeon operating it's fine it's not a big deal so I suppose mistakes happen all the time and let them wash off you they're only sandwiches and I think there's something as well that you learn when you've made a mistake like yeah. that. you're like oh I will double check that thing or maybe I'll get a test done or yeah you know yeah. there's lots of things that you then realize the importance of why some processes have been put in place I also yeah. think um mistakes show a human side mm. uh, so when you think about it in the context of marketing I mean, some of them are really costly, but some of them can be made into a thing and actually help your campaign go viral. I think depending on mm. the brands that you're working on, I think when it's a big corporate brand, it all needs to feel very polished. But when you're working on on smaller brands where you're really connecting with people, then it's OK to be human. Humans make mistakes and actually mm. it makes it feel like, oh, it's not a robot. It's real people behind that thing that they're doing and and they identify with it a bit, a bit better. So I and don't worry about mistakes they're fine you can yeah. make, you can style them out make them work yeah absolutely the thing that you found the hardest people <laughs> I mean it, people are at the heart of it all aren't they whether they make things brilliant and keep you going they're the sort of the best parts of being in a team but if you've got contentious relationships with a boss or some difficult relationship somewhere yeah people have definitely been the hardest part of my job I have often said 
work would be really easy if it wasn't for the people but it's people that bring the richness as well can't do your job without them no how do you motivate yourself Mm. I'll be totally honest I don't feel motivated every day but I think it's the marketing kind of is in my DNA and I like seeing a completed project I like getting something done and I really love a to-do list so if I write a to-do list I get great satisfaction out of ticking things off it's like a yeah and then I really like taking my dogs for a walk with my other half. So I suppose that's the kind of reward at the end of the day, get these things done. And then my motivation is that I get to go downstairs, have a cuddle with the dogs and the man and, and go for a nice walk. There's something about completing a to-do list as well, because it oh. sometimes feels that you never, because stuff yeah. rolls on and stuff you're not in, in control of because it's you know dependent on other people or something else happening. Um, but if you can get to the end of a week and have ticked off everything on your to-do list for that week it's like oh I'm on a high for the weekend absolutely absolutely yeah that's just about managing your to-do lists well yeah and having a next week's to-do list that you don't have to look at yet and then you can go this week's is done yeah that's so nice yeah what are you most excited about right now Oh, I suppose we've got a big project launching a big website that we've been working on and that's starting to gain traction now. So I'm excited to get that done. And then a site that my dad built about eight years ago that is so old, we're about to give that an enormous revamp. And it's for somebody who is totally non-techie. You talk to them and they're like, yeah, I don't know. Sure, that sounds fine. But it's, it's completely out of there comfort zone and so I get I get a real kick out of that and then um, I'm also launching a podcast as well so I'm excited about that I'm excited to see how that goes and yeah just where it's all going to be under off to and not being too much in control of the destiny just letting it letting it all wander do you want to share a little bit about your podcast right now yeah it's probably be a couple of months before it before it comes out but yeah very much interviewing marketers about their experiences the good the bad the scary tales and the fairy tales of marketing because I think it's yeah it's gonna be a tricky role to be in in a business mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm really excited to listen to it not just you know one with me in but all the other ones <laughs> um, and what is the best bit of software that you use oh I think so on a on a broad scale, it's got to be CRM software. I think the amount that you can do with CRM software is amazing. On a being very specific, probably right now it's Canva, just gets me out of loads of holes and and just elevates everything that you're doing to that slightly more professional degree. So yeah. I love Canva too. Yeah. For CRM, is there one particular CRM that you really like and rate? I think it's really dependent upon the business yeah. that you're in. And I wish that there was a, this is the one, but every business has got its own set of, I suppose probably there'd be a CRM per industry that would be a hands down, mm. that's the best. But universally, I think businesses are, they're almost living, breathing beasts in their own right. And so the, the kind of the engine that they need to manage their customers and drive action is probably quite different each time Mm. yeah and then also depends on your budget as well because some are very expensive because they can do 
so much and if yeah. you don't need something that does so much then yeah. there are you know other versions out yeah there. and I've worked predominantly with really big brands so mm-hmm. I've worked with the really big CRM systems and they do amazing things but mm-hmm. I'm now working with smaller businesses HubSpot is brilliant for a small business but yeah I think there's a lot of software that can do some amazing stuff that actually a lot of us do not use to the full capacity of what they can do or don't realize how we could automate some of the things that we do or use you know machine learning to support yeah things that we do Um, there's a lot of buzz around sorry there's a lot of buzz around AI at the moment and it it sort of makes me slightly smile on the inside because I think we've all been using AI for a really long time we've just not been using it under the name AI but yeah so chat GPT for example like speeds up so many things that yeah would have historically taken a marketer a long time to do I genuinely think as marketers we should embrace it and not be scared of it and actually our jobs in the future will be to manage more AI tools rather than to kind of do the, I was going to say grunt work and that's maybe doing it a disservice, but I think, yeah, we yeah. we should be embracing it. Definitely. I listened to somebody who was talking about, I think it was at a marketing conference and he was talking about, you know, we need to move to actually be marketing engineers, mm. which is kind of this whole idea of moving towards mm. managing AI tools that do a lot of the, you know, yeah. Yeah, it's all becoming much more techy. Yeah. <laughs> Although there are swathes of mountains of businesses out there that aren't anywhere near any of that yeah. technological level. So we've still got we've still got a fairly traditional place in the world, I think, for the time being. Well, amazing! Thank you so much for um, coming and being on my podcast and sharing all the the knowledge and wisdom that you've acquired over the last twenty years. I think you said. Yeah, um, and some, but we won't talk about those. <laughs> I've always you know seen what you do and thought what you do is amazing and the way you challenge and get people to think bigger thank you very much thank you again Lucy it was so wonderful having this conversation with you and being reminded to crack open my one year in business celebrated drink tonight if you found this episode encouraging or helpful share it with a friend or someone you want to tell them that you believe in their dreams Drop a comment with your wildest dream and let's back and support each other. Go make the future.